1: Welcome back to officially Official, presented by blue wire podcast. I'm your host, former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta. And we're joined with maybe the most requested guest in the history of this show. He is the second ranked prospect for the Philadelphia Phillies. First round draft pick. Is that good? You tell me a guy that I drove nine hours for with no breaks on my vehicle to watch play. It's my guy, Bryson Stott. How are we brother?
2: I'm great, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And, um, been a while
1: but uh I'm here so yeah no it. it's better late than ever honestly I mean we're, we're bumping now we're both buzzing we're both uh pretty much almost in the show here so we're just grinding but I want to talk about the brakes for a second because obviously that's a key part people are probably gonna say what are you talking about I've never told this story in the podcast so when Bryson was playing at Williamsport I believe I was like all right it's eight hours from me I guess I'll go and I totally forgot like uh, this is how dumb I, am. I totally forgot that I, my brakes on my car were like done like they didn't work so I drove eight hours to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, no radio on, nothing. So I can make sure that my car wasn't going to break. And I was like, I, I would have no brakes and die. So tell them your perspective of the story, because I, I believe you told me that you said you could hear me from like down the road with the screech of the brakes. And honestly, I believe it. Cause the border the guy at the border was like to me, what, what are you doing, dude? So yeah, just give them a perspective.
2: Yeah. I mean, you just, you said you were coming. So me and my mom were like, all right, he's got no brakes, though. <laughs> so we're sitting there. We're like, all right, let's check on Johnny. Let's check on Johnny. Check on Johnny. He's doing fine, doing fine. Brakes are working good. <laughs> Literally a mile down the street, it felt like. I just, all I hear is this screeching noise. I'm like, there's no way that's Johnny. There's no way that's Johnny. Finally pull in, finally pull in right in front of the house. And you just hear, like, a lawnmower trying to start for the fifth, like, 15th time and you can't even start it that's how loud and obnoxious your heartbreaks were stopping in front of the house it was the funniest thing i ever heard
1: <laughs> it was a nightmare fuel, honestly and if my mother actually heard about this i think she'd like come downstairs and beat the shit out of me because honestly like just putting things into perspective I like, this isn't like a light drive from like Toronto to Williamsport. I'm driving through mountains. Like I'm literally driving. It looks like I'm in the desert or the rainforest driving to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, but I wanted to go into Williamsport here because obviously you're a guy from Vegas. You would have, if someone would have told you you'd be in Williamsport at some point in your life, you'd be like, what are you talking about, dude? So what was your kind of, what was your experience in Williamsport? Like a small town coming from UNLV from Vegas, your hometown. I mean, that must've just been a crazy uh, adjustment for you
2: yeah absolutely i mean growing up you playing little league, you hear about Williamsport, sport it's going to be going to be crazy it's going to be great and then um when i got assigned to Williamsport, sport i was like Williamsport. we we're playing on the little league fields like yeah i didn't think there was anything there i didn't whatever but um i mean the people were great the people were great they uh they love their baseball obviously with the, the little league world series going on and um, they actually kick us out for two weeks. They don't even want us there and ruining their their kind of their show that they put on every year. So um we missed the two weeks of the Lily World Series and um they get us out of there because they just want all the focus to be on that. So
1: And I remember a funny time about cause when I came to visit you, I remember a funny time like you were getting legit bombarded with autographs. I thought I was hanging out with Drake and and I literally said to a fan, like, as a joke, I was like, you want me to sign something? And he just, like, gave me a desk there, like, what are you talking – like, who is this dude? That was just the funniest because <laughs> they're dialed in there, dude. Like, obviously, you being, like, the first-round guy come in. And you said it last year. You have to, like, take different aguses and all that kind of stuff. But how crazy has it been for you so far throughout your career being that kind of big dog in the minor leagues that everyone in the organization knows? Like, it, 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 you, everyone knows who Bryson Stott is if you're a Philly fan.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And, um, obviously you want to sign as, as many as you can, but, um, just to be able to like have those teams be able to, uh, kind of maneuver you and, and do whatever it may be to make sure like you're safe, that the autographers are safe and, um, kind of everyone's working in in unison and, and making sure you get as many autographs as you can done. And, um, once that time's over, they, they do a good job, uh, kind of kind of getting you out so
1: and let's go into before the draft obviously we're going to go deep like I'm going we have the Cooperstown pictures behind me obviously I was one of the greatest Cooperstown teams of all time 0 and 9 minus 56 run differential that was my team you actually in Cooperstown have a crazy story that I don't know if you've told anyone I could be wrong on this your Cooperstown team went to the finals is that correct yep and give the people a little bit of a background story on what happened in the finals because it's kind of a funny story looking back on it. Maybe not on the time, but looking back on it, it's a pretty funny story.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the team I went with was, um, we got up to number five in the country. And um, I mean, we were electric. It was guys throwing, seemed like a thousand miles an hour. And um, we had guys in Cooperstown hitting 20 homers. And um, it was crazy. And then, so we're, we're doing that, feeling good. Uh, we lose to the same team earlier in the tournament too. We only lost two games and it was to the same team both times. So we're going lose to them in the in the league play and we're like what the heck like we really just lost to those guys So fast forward we get to the championship. Um, I mean I hit a homer in like the second inning we're feeling good up six nothing five nothing whatever <laughs> it was. We get to about the fifth inning. We're just all sitting there like yes, <laughs> we're gonna do this and wow. Here we go. Grand slam. Homer. Double. Homer. Homer. Next thing you know, we look up and it's eight to six and we're like, uh, what just happened? And then they bring in their guys throwing a thousand miles an hour. And it was just before we even knew it, there was 27 balls that went over the fence and we were just kind of in shock and left the trophy in Cooperstown. So
1: yeah, it's a, that's an all time meltdown. I mean, that's just nightmare fuel. That's something that like the Toronto Maple Leafs or something, something along those lines, maybe the Buffalo bills to do. That's just an absolute nightmare fuel. But then obviously you go into UNLV your high school year. And honestly, you kind of burst it out into the scene, maybe like the sophomore junior season, but I asked this to all my guests. What, what point in your high in your college career high school career maybe in your pro career did you kind of realize like all right i'm better than these guys that i'm playing with or i'm better than the competition that i'm playing against and like i have the potential to be a massive prospect
2: um i mean i had a i had a decent to good freshman college season and um so kind of just doing that and then going to the northwoods league and um i mean, i broke the hits record there and um had a really good summer out there and I felt good. And then um, it was kind of like, all right, I think I want to do this. And that's when kind of everything changed. I was taking elective classes and one of my major classes and just kind of really focusing that on baseball. And I mean, when people ask me what what I'm studying or, or what my degrees and I would literally say baseball because that's it's what true. I wanted to do. And um, some of the classes I was taking, it was like I just need these to to get by. And um, I mean, they were all Within what I could have taken. So it was, I mean, it, it was an easy choice for me just to kind of focus on baseball and, and take it from there.
1: And what, but why UNLV? And obviously, we talk about this off the record and stuff like that, but a guy of your stature, obviously, you had looks at from Arizona, University of Arizona. Is that correct? You had Arizona, you had other schools looking at you. But why was it UNLV for you? Was that, ju- did you want to like take the aspect of being that hometown kid playing for the team, being the superstar there? Or was just it, that, that's something you've dreamed about since you were a kid?
2: I never wanted to go to UNLV. Um, I mean, as you know, both my parents went to UNLV and um, I mean, I was always a little rebellious child and um, whoever they liked, I liked the opposite. So, um, I mean, I never wanted to go to UNLV and um, I wanted to go to the Oregon's and the Arizona's and um, the Fullerton's and seeing all the cool gear and, and all that stuff, like all the dumb stuff as a kid. And um, then I kind of got going and and saw the clubhouse at UNLV and, and got to meet the coaches and, Um, some of the guys and and all that. And it, um, I mean, like you said, you're playing in front of your hometown and and you get your friends your family, um, your classmates, like any, anybody, any given time could come out and watch you play. So, so that was a big thing to me. And um, I mean, like you said, it's my hometown and and I wanted to do something special for them. So.
1: And then, yeah, then obviously, and in my opinion, when you kind of burst onto the scene was when you, made team USA. Where were you when you, and by the way, thank you for your service. And, and when did you realize that you like, when did you get the call you were playing on team USA and how was that like announced to you?
2: Oh, um, let me see here. Uh, so it was probably maybe halfway through my junior year. Um, maybe a little more, a little less uh, give or take, but um, I mean, i had a really good junior year or a uh, sophomore year um end up leading the country in doubles and um i mean i wasn't hitting that many home runs and we had guys in 25 and 18 and i was just sandwiched in the middle hitting 30 doubles doing doing whatever i was doing and um actually i was at do watching my neighbor cole play actually and i get a call I'm like louisiana everybody's number in louisiana that i have is saved and and it's uh paul manieri Say like, hey um how would you like to play for team USA and go through all this combo? And I'm like, uh, yes. Um, obviously I'd love to do that. Like probably not what I should have said in that time, but um, yeah, I was just, I mean, I was at a baseball game, Palmineri calls and um, the rest is history.
1: And, and I mean that's just a banana story playing for Team USA, but is that when you kind of saw? Because obviously when you're playing in the UNLV, you're you're playing the Mountain West schools like the Reno's, who everyone hates and stuff like that. And there's obviously not many like big time draft prospects there. And there's not many like big time guys there. Was it with Team USA that you realized like, all right, like now I'm good. I'm I realize how good I am but these guys are freaks of nature. Like you're playing with oddly Rutschman, who's the number one prospect in all of baseball. So is that when you kind of got that understanding, like, listen, I'm good, but you kind of got a reality check.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, going down to carry North Carolina and um, going through all those, those trials. And there was like 10 of us that were already guaranteed a spot on the team. And then there was whatever you had the, the workout. So you had guys from, I mean, all the huge schools. I mean, it was the power five, Everywhere and um, so once we got our team settled, the whole infield went in the first round. So um, I mean, Adley and Langolier's were really the catchers, and then you had Josh Young at third, and me at short, and Brayden shoemaker at second. Andrew Vaughn was at uh, first. Um, some other guy was his backup. Spencer Torkelson was his backup. So it was like you had just you had just an absurd amount of talent in these huge, massive schools and. I would, I mean, I would take a step back and like, I go to UNLV and these are my teammates who I'm turning double plays with. And um, that that's kind of when I realized that, like, okay, maybe I am for real and um, maybe I am going to do this. So,
1: and that UNLV team, I think, I, I don't know, was that your like sophomore season when you guys were just an absolute wagon? Like when you guys were, I think, nationally ranked at one point, right? Yes,
2: yeah, my sophomore year. That's when CAD, um, Kyle Isbell, and Nick Ames, and Um, I mean, we started 20 and two and hit homers on homers. And, um, I mean, I think we could have beat anyone in the country if, if we stayed healthy. So
1: dude, let's talk about Kyle Isbell in in college. I mean, this guy, and obviously your brother tells me stories about just the dumb stuff that he, like he would do in the baseball field where he would just go like four for four with three nukes was he one of, at that point, was he like the best player you've ever played with? Because obviously he's in the show now and he's just rakes one of the biggest prospects of the Royals. But at that point, was that like the, the like the best player you've ever seen in person on your team?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, when my senior year in high school, he was playing third base at UNLV. And um, I mean, I get there and they're moving him to the outfield and, and doing all that. And I'm like, what the heck? He's running in, the ball's going over his head. I'm like, this guy like was supposed to go to TCU or Texas tech or wherever he was supposed to go. And he's here. Maybe that's why, cause he's some of his routes. (laughs) I was like, Lord, who is this? (laughs) But just seeing the way he hits and the way he goes about what he does. And um, I mean, he's incredible. And um, I mean, obviously he's not in the show for, for no reason. And he, he takes pride in that. And uh, I mean, like my brother said, he's the goofiest kid. He'll go four for four with two homers. And, then i will ask me if we want to sleep in the clubhouse and play ping pong all night. Like, dude, you just went four for four, and now you want to sleep on a couch in a clubhouse when we could literally just go home.
1: Is that something you've and, done? I mean, have you slept yeah. in the clubhouse? Yeah, oh,
2: man. Yeah, all the time, yeah.
1: That's nightmare fuel. I don't know how you do that.
2: The The, the funniest one was with – I was actually with Isbell. Um It's, like, late at night. We're like, oh, man, we're kind of hungry. Let's go to the 7-Eleven. I mean, around UNLV is not the, the nicest part, so we didn't want to, like – leave the door open to our brand new building with everyone's stuff in. So we try to put this bat in the door. So we're like, all right, yeah, we'll be fine. Get in his car. We go, come back and the bat is out of the door and it's sticking like straight up and down. Like not how we put it in at all. Nobody was there. <laughs> so we're like, oh my gosh, is this, a, is there a ghost or, or what is it? So we're like, okay, how do we get in? Like his phone was in there. His wallet was in there. Like I paid at the gas station, everything was in there. So we couldn't just leave. So we're like, all right, what do we do? So we grab one of those like metal benches, you know, like with the the seat and the backrest, we prop it up to the balcony and I'm standing at the bottom, like, like holding the wall as hard as I can. And Izzy's just climbing up this bench. Keep in mind, this guy's supposed to go on the top three rounds. (laughs) He's climbing up this bench at one in the morning, trying to get to our balcony. And I mean, he finally gets there and he's got cuts all over his arm and, um finally gets in and, and we're all settled and uh started looking around to see if there's anybody ghosts or or whatever it was but um i mean he loves sleeping in that place it was it was crazy
1: i mean that clubhouse is fire and for people listening to this that don't like haven't seen the clubhouse and stuff like that I, I actually had the privilege of going in there working out taking bp with the boys and that place is kind of fire and the most underrated thing about that weight room is you have a view of the whole las vegas trip like that's the most underrated part. I mean, is that what sold you? When you saw that view, was that like, all right, I'm going to go to UNLV?
2: Yeah, I mean, just seeing the building in general, and um, then you see that, and you're like, whoa, like, yeah, this is this is where I live, and this is where I want to play. So, uh, yeah, that was a that was a big thing.
1: Dude, they got to put a disclaimer on at the UNLV parking lot because this is a little funny. Storage, an inside joke. I, I I remember that whole week. I had Keanu, our friend Monique's. <laughs> I had her car the whole week, like this brand new Jeep. And I was just honestly, like, you were the responsible one. Me and Keanu were getting after it. And like, we would go for a workout the day after. And I had no idea, like the speed bumps. And by the way, you and I will be listening to this. Those speed bumps need to get fixed. I mean, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I don't, and I'm driving Monique's car on the speed bumps. Like I didn't see them. And I'm like going like kind of fast in the party, like 20. And I just go over a speed bump and I just hear a thump. And I'm like, I think I just like total Monique's car and Keanu was in the car. Those speed bumps are nightmare fuel. And I know you, at that that point you had a Camaro, is that right? I mean, you had to come and do a couple of run-ins with those speed bumps at UNLV.
2: Yeah. I mean, those things are, I mean, I'm sure you could take a pedal bike and do a backflip off those. And they're mountains. um, I mean, I, I always mess with the, with those people there and let them know that it's kind of ridiculous how, how unnecessary (laughs) their speed bumps are considering. I almost took my bumper off a few times and, um, obviously you got airborne in a jeep so that that sorry Monique. And,
1: that honestly um, like that yeah, might Monique. be on me
2: but <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening it's it's still it was on me
1: fun. if there's a problem with the bottom half of your car it i don't know who it was it probably was me i'm just going to take ownership for it but Keanu's a terrible influence but dude and i think that was the day no i so for people to know i i flew down to vegas to, to surprise you for the draft which was an absolute nightmare because it was at like i think i arrived at like 10 p.m and you, like, you were, I'm pretty sure you were about to go to bed or some, something like that. And I, we had to, like, try to force you to stay up. And the guys had to force you to stay up to tell you that I was on my way there. But I wanted to go into draft day because, obviously, that's something that you kind of look like dream about since you're a kid and all that kind of stuff. I was lucky enough to be there for it. But what was it like from your shoes? Because I, you were obviously so nervous. I was looking at you and stuff like that. But um, what was your, like, thought process on draft day? And at one point were you like, I just want to get this over with, man? Because, honestly, it's the most stressing thing I've ever seen in my life.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you kind of, you kind of know and have that little area that, that you'd think you're going to fall in. And I mean, you were there and, um, I mean, Boris was calling me and, um, those guys over there were calling me and they're like, all right, Giants at 10, Giants at 10, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, Giants at 10. Like, I don't even need to worry about it. Um, so then it gets going and, um, I mean, you guys are going out and having fun and I'm like, I try to go out and like, man, I'm so nervous and and stressed out. I, I just go home and, Um, I mean, I probably could have enjoyed it a little more looking back on it, but, um, I mean, like you said, it's, it's a stressful time. And, um, I mean, once the draft starts, it was oddly for, I mean, I could have wagered anything that he was going number one. So I'm sure his, his draft party was great or his draft day was, (laughs) was great. And, um, uh, so then we're going and it's Bobby and Andrew and, uh, JJ Bleday and Riley Green and like the list goes on. And I'm like. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, number 10's coming. Perfect. And then I hear Hunter Bishop.
1: Our Hunter guy. Bishop. That's my guy, by the way, a legend. But yeah, that was crazy.
2: Yeah, I'm like, Hunter Bishop. So I text him, I'm like, hey, congrats, man. Like I'm so like happy for you and I'm playing against him at Arizona and or Arizona State. And um, uh, I mean, we've become pretty good friends and, and just texted him. I'm like, that was supposed to be me. I was just sitting behind there, like,
1: man, I want to say this so bad.
2: And then 11 comes and it's the Blue Jays and
1: I was pissed at that point. I mean, I was mad at that point yeah. because they chose Alec Manoa. But I, I didn't realize how good he was, but I was like, I mean, what are we doing here? But yeah, anyways, keep going.
2: Yeah, so we get to the Blue Jays, and I'm like, I don't want to go to the Blue Jays. They got <laughs> the guys are 18 years old and they're hitting 40 homers in the show already. So um, so we get there, and then we got the twins, and I'm like, Okay, the twins, maybe now they had a pre-draft deal. Then we get to the Mets. <laughs> At 13, I'm like, all right, this is my time. This is my time. They had a pre-draft deal. I'm like, holy smokes. So then Scott calls me, and um, all I hear is uh, 14th pick. Phillies are taking you. That's it. All right, sweet. Hang up the phone. So, I mean, then you get – you watch number 12 happen. You watch number 13, and it still, like, doesn't hit you because it hasn't happened yet. So like, I, I probably didn't really relax until it was him saying my name, you guys cheering, and then looking back at the TV to make sure I didn't like mess anything up. So that I was like, that's when it kind of like all settled down.
0: The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Dude, and an underrated story from that draft day was, like we all went outside to celebrate and you pop the champagne and all that kind of stuff. I was just an absolute clown show. I think I was hungover at with Your Brother the day before. And um, I do this like Stone Cold Steve Austin beer thing. And it just goes all over these like 12 year old children at the draft party. Everyone's looking at me like, what's this guy doing? It was an absolute nightmare, but that draft day, man, was crazy to me. And it just goes to show you like how it, you never know where you're going to get picked. So did they give you an explanation of why you didn't go to the Giants? Or like, they just kind of told you like, you're go, like, that was your, that was a team you thought you were going to hundred percent.
2: Um, I mean, obviously it's a business and, um, I mean, stuff happens and, um, they kind of mapped out who they thought was going one through nine. And um, it was like literally all going as it was planned. And then um, there was a team in there that took somebody that kind of threw out their whack instead of taking Bishop. It was so-and-so I I can't even remember um, which team it was or or who it was, but um, they were going to go Bishop and that whatever pick it was. And then that's where I was going to go. And then, so that kind of happens and Bishop slides down and then, I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of a domino effect in, in a sense. And um, Will Wilson was picked right after me, 15. And, um, I mean, he was supposed to go a little higher. But, like, once, once one thing in the draft goes wrong, for you, it's just like everything's going
1: You got drafted in a good year because I think it was like two years after when they had that like pandemic draft where it was like guys are signing for $20,000 and stuff. So, I mean, you picked a good time to get drafted. Just shout out Shauna for that. And before we go into other stuff, I want to wish or give happy birthday to Brianna and Brennan, your siblings, obviously. And by the way, just like how out of, I mean, do you feel like left out that you're not born like within this week range when they're both born?
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like a little trend that, um they're the birthdays are all kind of near each other my mom's in january my dad's in april and then there's me the kind of rebellious kid in october so um i mean my mom always jokes and, and, and says that it's that's me i'm obviously the opposite of everyone else so
1: yeah no it's um, it's, it's electric it's such an electric birthday geez, week fine. shout out shout out brennan by the way but anyways I, I wanted to go into the next thing obviously you get into pro ball and i don't know if many people know this but I'm pretty sure your first career at bat was a nuke. Am I right on that?
2: Yeah, first swing.
1: I mean, and then just – I'm pretty sure Bryson's thought was trending in Pennsylvania at that time. I mean, it was just banana. I, I, I think we got a text in our group message. It was like, I think Bryson just left the crib. And it was your first game. So, I mean, going from UNLV to there and you're facing like big league – or not big league guys, but you're facing like actual pro pitchers and stuff like that. All these guys have good stuff. What was like the biggest adjustment that you had to make at williamsport because i believe you were struggling a little bit at the start of that is that correct when you're at williamsport
2: yeah so i go actually it's a funny story i go to the gcl um for 10 days or 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 whatever and um so i have seven six to seven days just practicing finally getting the game i'm like oh this is sweet first pitch ball like all right it's this guy's huge six seven throwing 98 i'm like Holy crap. I needed, like, I never seen this before other than Ryan Jensen at Fresno State, who obviously I Our didn't guy. have very much success against. Um, so I was like, okay, let me just imagine this Ryan Jensen. So I get in there. It's 1 0. I'm like feeling sexy. Doesn't it fastball right down the middle? I hit a homer. So I hit a homer there. <laughs> first ever professional swing. Then I go like walk, base hit, double, triple, walk. Like, I, it was crazy. I was on base eight straight times or, or whatever it was um with hits and walks to start my professional career then I go to Williamsport and I'm talking to this reporter and he's like are you excited like are you going to start your Williamsport journey off with a homer and I'm like well I'm going to try like just being like a dumb saying yeah I'm going to try I'll, I'll try that for you um then I hit a homer there my first swing same thing fastball yeah. ball homer in Williamsport um feeling good again get another hit that game and then uh, it kind of started going the opposite way. It was um, started swinging at stuff and stuff I never swung at and, and never hit well. Um, so it was kind of just learning how to get out of those little funks faster than I did in college, considering you played Tuesday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I mean, in the minor leagues, you know, I'd Monday through Sunday sometimes. So you get, I mean, 50 at bats stack up and it seems like the blink of an eye where in college it was, it took you. A little bit to get to 50 a bat so the quicker you can kind of get out of those funks um is the biggest thing i had to learn
1: and one thing i forgot to mention this is how i know you're my guy and you're a marketing genius so you started this kind of not a trend on twitter with our guy amir garrett and i honestly and it's actually mind-boggling to me i just love the internet because people thought you were like serious when you tweeted this was the ranch on ice cream so i wanted to go into <laughs> that for a second because i was mind-boggled that like people like mlb pipeline tweet everything tweeted it that you legitimately actually did this on your ice cream. So let's debunk the rumor. You obviously don't do that, but let's go into the context of the story. Like wh- how did that even start? Um,
2: yes. I mean, I obviously do not do that. <laughs> I did try it. It was horrible, but I do not do that religiously. It was, so we're playing either Fortnite. It, it had to be Fortnite. That was kind of when it was yeah. all popular. And, um, I mean, for you people listening that don't know, my brother plays on the first story and he plays right next to the kitchen and I play upstairs in our game room. So Amir's playing with us. Um, I run downstairs and I'll hear my brother say, hurry up, hurry up. And I'm scooping this ice cream and in Fortnite, the bus is going. And all you I can hear Amir through my brother's headphones. He's so loud and obnoxious. He's screaming at me to get upstairs. So I'm like scooping it. And I just see the ranch sitting right in front of me. I'm like, I'm putting ranch on my ice cream. Shut up. And he goes, wait, did I just hear that? And then, so I'm just doing it, doing it. Have my bowl, put it to the side. And I scoop a little bit, put ranch on it. I send him a picture. And within 30 seconds, it was on Twitter. And I was just getting, I mean, kind of hate mail in a sense that I should fire my taste buds.
1: But I really don't do that. That was electric. Like, I remember that. I was like, all right, like, this is how you know baseball twitter is like there's a lot of people that are that just don't have a clue because they legitimately thought you actually do that which is just the most crazy thing of all time doesn't make any single sense but and you mentioned amir i mean what's the kind of influence that like Amir's had on your career so far because obviously just a guy like you i mean he played in las vegas all those kind of things like what what is what advice is amir given you so far like throughout your career
2: um yeah i mean he's he's awesome and um I mean, kind of the same thing. He just says, have fun and, and be you. And um, you'll kind of see and start to get the feel and the flow of the game. And um, once you find that kind of good feeling, just just kind of roll with it. And um, obviously the people that watch him pitch, he's very emotional and um, really loves to compete and loves to win. So um, kind of him saying, like, once you find that flow of, of competing and and doing well, it, it kind of all flows together.
1: And then the, the, this is, this is what I had to bring up here. Cause this is the most electric thing of all time. I'm obsessed with the futures game. Obviously I couldn't go last year to yours, but where were you when you got the call to the futures game? Like, obviously you told us a little bit earlier, like you just told all your family and all that kind of stuff. But when did you find out that you were going to be on the future? Cause that's like a sick call. Like that's a, like that's one of the biggest accomplishments you could be, you can make in the minors.
2: Yeah. Um, so I was in Reading. Actually, I was going, I was walking over to hit and for, per- the people not listening in Reading, Pennsylvania, there's the locker room and you have to walk through the concourse and then you have to go to the cages. So I'm walking, I'm walking. Our manager he's like, Hey, so come here. Uh, So-and-so is on the phone. I'm like, Oh, great. Like, what did I do now? I wore red cleats. I'm doing everything how I'm supposed to. I have red socks on the BP. Like I'm doing everything. I'm like, what does he want? And then I just get this like weird, am I going to Lehigh Valley? I had no business going to Lehigh Valley at the time. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was hitting fine, but I wasn't like, yeah. So I'm like, what could, I'm not going to Lehigh Valley. What could this mean? And he's like, did you go out last night? I'm like, nope. In bed by 10 o'clock as usual. He's like, well, I hope you uh, had a dream about the futures game. Cause, cause that's where you're going. So it was kind of just like this whole like build up to the phone call and, and them telling me that. And um, I mean, obviously I wasn't, allowed to go put it on twitter or, or whatever it may be and uh, that's when i texted you guys and, and texted my family so i think we start making those arrangements and uh to get out there
1: and how was that futures game like i mean what was that experience like you're pretty much living that big boy lifestyle you're playing in a big league park which was i believe it was at coors yeah i was at coors and you're literally playing the like the it's best it's talent in baseball like in the minor league bobby witt's there uh Brennan Davis is there all all these freaks of nature are there so what was your experience like because you you got spoiled with stuff too you had a bed full of like gear and stuff too it was it was electric
2: yeah I mean it was it was great and um I mean a lot of those guys I've I've played with and uh or played against so um that was the that was the coolest part to me was being able to see Bobby and um Adley again and and Torkelson and um Max Meyer was there and uh, kind of meeting the new faces that i ha- maybe haven't played against so um, being able to do that and um, kind of just being being in the dugout for um, those last four innings or, or five innings that i didn't play um, just to sit back there and be like whoa like we're here and then then you get brendan davis hitting um, two homers and uh people just launching balls and um, throwing 104 and, and doing all that type of stuff and you're like Wait, I'm not just watching this anymore. Like, I'm here. I'm I'm in the game. And um, sometimes you just take a step back and you're like, "Whoa!" Like, this is what I do now. And um, I mean, the crowd was full and, and loud. And um, Philly fans they they were there and, and they were loud. And um, it was it was awesome. And it was a great experience. For was sure. that
1: was that was the, was that the most nervous you've ever been for like uh, like a first AB in a game? Um. I mean, I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be since I got the
2: first ground ball of the game. But when I went to throw it, it was like my arm just felt like I just cooked spaghetti for 20 hours, and it was, like, mushy. Like, yeah. I went to throw it, and I was playing second, and it, like, barely got to first. And I was like, holy crap. So then I, I finally go hit, and um, I mean, I was pretty nervous, and um, I actually told my brother I'm going to see a lefty and a guy with a splitter. I guarantee it. First, a bad lefty. Second, a bad guy with a splitter. Um so I kind of put that on myself, but, um, I mean, obviously you want to get hits and, and you want to do all that, but it was just fun, fun being out there. So
1: yeah, the futures game's electric. And I mean, Brennan Davis, our guy, two nukes, I, what was it like being like a, seeing that firsthand because obviously his swing is so compact. Like I don't think he's really known for, he, I could be wrong on this. I don't know if he's like legitimately known to be like a home run He's kind of like the speed finesse guy. But what was it like seeing a guy in the futures game just just launch twice for no reason? I mean, it was it was crazy when I got the notification.
2: Yeah, it was it was crazy for sure. And uh, I mean, if you were to tell him after his BP that he was going to hit two homers, <laughs> he would have probably like wanted to punch you because um, I mean, he was like, bro, I can, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't hit. Like he was losing it in BP. I'm like. Oh no! Don't worry about it. It's just the pitcher. Like, I mean, you got to blame it on someone else, right? Like, you got to hype these guys up, and uh, then he goes and hits two homers. So I told him I'm just gonna start taking BP like he did, and um, maybe I'll start hitting two homers in the games.
1: Good for him. I mean, and, and then, dude, we gotta go. We gotta go into the fall league because the fall league is just, in my opinion, that team that you were on was the most electric team of all time. You had our guy Lug Bauer, you had Kanan Smith, the goat, and then you had Ohapi. So it was just, it was just a family affair of friends of the show on on that team. Was that that team had to be one of the most fun teams of all time, right?
2: Oh yeah, that team that team was a blast. And um obviously me being there and um some other guys with the Phillies, and then you kind of I mean you better get meeting these people quick because you got two months with them. And um, so we started hanging out with the pirates guys, and then we went over to the Braves guys, and then like you everybody kind of just circled around meeting each other. And um, uh, I mean, obviously you know how life goes, you start hanging out with certain people more and uh doing that. So hanging with Kanan and uh, Lugbauer and, and kind of those guys was, was awesome. And um, I mean, you want to talk about guys that could hit those, that team was, was incredible.
1: Dude. And there's a funny story. I think Lug's told uh, told us this on the podcast when he hit that home run to tie it And People don't know this. I think he hit like a grand, was it a grand slam or a three run nuke?
2: Grand slam. So
1: he hit a grand slam and obviously it's in the dog days of summer. You guys just played a minor league season. And you guys have to go to this Arizona fall league, which is fine. And Lugbauer, I think said he hits a grand slam and you could hear the moans from the dugout. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like we have to stay here for two more weeks. So, I mean, what, what was like the, I mean, when you guys saw that grand slam, was it like, all right, this is sick, but I'm not going to be able to go home maybe for like another two weeks or whatever it was. Um, I mean, it was,
2: I mean, obviously everyone out there was was, wanting to win and, um, we had to like go through these scenarios. Like we had to win out and Glendale had to lose twice to so-and-so. Like it was crazy stuff that like literally had to happen. So we're losing like, but if we lost one game, we were out. So we're like, oh man, like we're literally out now. And then you just hear this crack in the bat and the batter's eye. And you're like, oh my gosh, he just really tied this game. <laughs> so we go on to win that game. And then we're like, all right, screw it guys. We're, we're already here. And, and Lugbow, I think Lugs is like, pissed off that he just broke the batter's eye for some reason um so but we knew that we were all just giving him crap like way to go lugbauer like (laughs) look what you did now so we have like four games three games left and we're like all right well we're just we might as well win it now so go out there and 10 to 1 8 nothing 10 to like we were just obliterating these teams and um the last game of the year they tell us like we have to win and, and somebody's got to lose. So we're like, all right, let's do it. Eight nothing in the fifth inning. We're like, we're going to the championship now. Like, we better win and, and we're getting rings and all this stuff. And come to find out, they kind of got the the scenarios messed up. So no matter what we did, <laughs> we were out. So we were like, <laughs> we get to the locker room, we're like, are you you gotta be kidding? Like, we just did all that to not even have a chance at all to make it from Monday to Saturday. We couldn't have made it. So we went five and zero oh for for no reason, just to have fun, I guess. Yeah, they messed up the the scenario. So,
1: dude, that, I mean, yeah, that was just an incredible story. Uh, dude, the thing is, and I, not many people know this about you either. You, you you were in big league spring spring training last year, and one thing that obviously you're my guy. I was rooting for you. You're going up against my guy, my closer, Toronto Blue Jays closer Jordan Romano, who might be the best one of the best closers in baseball. I mean, this guy's a freak of nature, psychopath on the mound and you launch against him. I mean, what was that at bat like to face the literal – like you're facing the literal closer of the Toronto Blue Jays, and you've only had one year pretty much minor league experience. What was your thought process going into that at bat? Because I think he has a nasty – I don't know what pitch he has that's nasty. I don't remember. But, I mean, what was that at bat like?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have I faced him a few times that spring, and, um, I mean, he punched my ticket every time. So I was like, all right, he throws a 100, he's got a slider, he's got a curveball. I'm like, all right, here we go. First pitch I get in, I'm like, whoa, that's that's still a hundred. Like, he's still out there throwing a hundred. Um, so I go through the whole of bat. I, I foul some stuff off. I foul the three one pitch right off the catcher's face. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm not missing this fastball that he's throwing me three two. And I I wanna say he threw me a slider or a cutter, something of that sort. And um, it was kind of like a sigh of relief that I didn't have to catch up to a hundred. And um, I mean, it was still 90, 91, 92, but um, I mean, he's he's got nasty stuff. And um, I mean, one, I hit a home run off him, but I think he might have punched me out five times <laughs> that spring. So,
1: no, but um, the thing is, though, the home run was on TV. So, I mean, I, because obviously everyone got to see it. So, I mean, technically, in a lot of the Phillies fans and your friends' mind, you're one for one with a nuke off Jordan Romano. Cause I think those were on backfields, right? The strikeouts.
2: Uh, they were just they would be on like their kind of stadium, but uh, yeah, like you said, there was only a couple of games here and there on spring training. So, um, I mean, if you guys didn't see it, it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly.
1: No one saw the punch out. You're one for one against Romano with a nuke. And another guy you faced that is one of the most intimidating human beings of all time. And he used to always tell us, used to play, used to face him was all Chapman. I got to bring up this guy. What's it like going up in the box against a man that's literally nicknamed the Cuban missile. It's like one of the most intimidating nicknames of all time.
2: Yeah, the, the guy is massive. Like, TV doesn't do him justice. His pants, like, literally <laughs> were, like, up to here. Like, um, I mean, I'm not short, but, like, his pants, like, I felt were in my ribcage. Like, they were – his legs are, like, tree trunk. Like, he is a massive human being. Um, So, I'm like, all right. Nobody wanted to hit off him, first of all. They were – we were kind of just – it was – the funny story is it was actually the – Game, the last game before they shut down with COVID. So we were in Tampa playing them. um We had some like veteran guys that like, I'm not hitting a roll with Chapman right now. We didn't hit in the cage. I'm like, screw it. I guess I'll do it. So I go up and uh right after Baum, Alec Baum, he hits like a three hopper right to him. I'm like, oh geez, if Baum looks like kind of uncomfortable, like I don't even want to know what he's gonna do to me. Throws me a first pitch slider. I'm like, whoa. Like, did that re- I was geared up for a 100 and I see a first pitch slider and, um, so next pitch, I, I hit a fastball to left center and, um, I thought it was a hit. I think he thought it was a hit too. He kind of walked off the mound like pissed. And then he looks back because he hears the catch. I'm like, shoot. But this guy, he spits. Like, you guys seen his spit, like, uh, when he's walking around the round, he spits. And I'm not kidding. It was like the most, like projectile like <laughs> spit I've ever seen in my entire life. And that, that was the craziest thing to me is how like much distance and how much oh my gosh, it was
1: crazy. It's yeah, you don't realize it. There's a couple guys in the league like does he does he like like grunt when he throws or is he just like just naturally throws gas? Like is there like a grunt when he pitches? A lot of guys actually do that on the bump.
2: It's not like a grunt. It's kind of just like he knows he throws 112. So it's like it's I wouldn't even say it's a grunt, but he does make a noise.
1: Yeah. No, it's, so, it, it's, I I
2: couldn't even replicate the noise.
1: I don't know how people do it. I really don't know how you guys go in the box against a couple uh, against these guys. But the second last thing I want to bring up is obviously I, I like to admit myself that I'm a pretty big golfer. You're a pretty big golfer. Your golf game. I haven't golfed with you in like three years, but I'm assuming your golf games got way better. Like you said, it has. Where would you rank? Like, for instance, when you're playing with other guys on your team or other guys in the system, where would you rank your golf game? Like, where are you at right now? you in the middle? You, you, you good, you bad, like, where are you at?
2: Um, I mean, I'd say I'm in the, I'm in the top. I'd say I'm in the tier one group now. Um, we have four tiers that we, that we play with and and we'll go play tournaments and, and stuff like that, but I'm for sure in the tier one group now that my 60 degree is kind of locked in. So, um, but some of these pitchers, man, I think they could play on tour. It's incredible. They're kind of, mean they, they do whatever they do and go golf 36 holes in a day so um i mean i'd stack well against them though
1: who's the best who's the best guy in the Philly system or the best guy in the minors that you've played against
2: oh uh we have a pitcher Ethan Lindau who's really good um and he'll hit some some shots and you're like whoa um my the hitting coach in Reading he's actually super good um some of the coaches and coordinators are actually sneaky good at golf. And when they come in, they'll go play. And it's like 74, 77. It's like, what are you guys doing? You just hopped off a plane and now you're shooting a 72 on like, some of these guys are, are really good.
1: Yeah. And then I, I, actually, this is the second last thing I want to bring up. Cause obviously you post videos, of your swings and all that kind of stuff. Did you change something to do like a toe top now? Is that something that you've, you've just started?
2: Um, no, that was. So in last year in 2021, um, big league camp i was had 28 at bats and struck out 17 times or or something crazy it was i felt great my leg kick felt great my swing felt great but i would go back and i'm like missing the ball by literally this much like i was just late so it was i couldn't get my foot down uh so my hitting coach in Reading was like hey let's go to a toe tap because i would do the toe tap off the machine could try to get my timing better um so i would do that and he was like let's go to the toe tap so then i start raking the machine like Crazy. Never hit the machine like that Um, because I was like more focused on my toe tap instead of just hitting the ball. So I take it in a game, take it into spring training, minor league spring training, um, have some success with it there. And uh, I mean, I kind of just ran with it. So
1: yeah no the toe taps electric it's like you're doing like a little like i don't know if you're like you're doing a stanky lag when you're at the plate but it is just an i love the toe tap i think it's way better and it just looks way cooler especially being a left-handed hitter and all that kind of stuff and obviously we mentioned and obviously i might get roasted for even asking you this but you hit i mean you hit a lot and you're you're close friends with like the biggest guy in baseball mvp bryce harper what tips has he given you to like kind of be like to improve yourself throughout your minor league career? Cause he flew through the system. I don't even think he was in the system for more than two months, but what, what's a couple of things that he's taught you in like your swing or your, your approach, anything like that?
2: Yeah. I mean, his, he's a big kind of routine and uh, routine guy and, and going and making sure you you're doing your stuff and, and making sure your, your stuff feels right. And, um, I mean, the biggest thing for, for me is that he tells me is, is to have fun and, um, kind of like Amir says, just go and compete. And uh, I mean, I'd say the biggest thing I've learned learned from him is uh, kind of getting that routine down and, and knowing my swing and knowing my body and, and my swing is different from his. And um, I mean, I've spent hours on hours growing up watching his swing because I wanted to swing like him. I would hit with his dad. His dad would throw me beef, be in high school and college. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to hit like Bryce. I'm going to hit like Bryce, but there's one Bryce Harper and um, there's one, one Soto, there's one Vladdy jr. Like everyone's swing is going to be different and there's going to be similar stuff. Like we have a lot of similarities and stuff. And, um, so I'll call him if I'm ever in a little funk and getting out front and, and stuff. And, and he'll give me a little tip here and there. And, um, uh, I mean, it's, he's just an awesome person to have. And, uh, obviously Philly loves him. And, and, uh, he loves Philly and, and the Philly people are, are amazing. And, um, I mean, they, they it just works so well together. So.
1: Yeah, it's an electric duo, you two, and then the Phil. I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers the figure it out. By the way, I mean that team has lost me an uncomfortable amount of money. I don't know what that hockey team is just sickening to me. I don't know what's happening, but whatever. the The, the Phillies are figuring it out. But this is the last thing, and obviously, you hate to get sentimental with this stuff, but you're getting awfully close to making that. De- is that's making that debut? is that something that you kind of like think about a lot? Is that something like, have you played out in your mind to kind of prepare yourself when it happens or whatever, like wh- where, where are you at right now in your mind, like with that debut coming soon and later, whenever it's going to happen, we don't know when it's going to happen, but like, is that something that you kind of think about just to kind of ease the nerves when it does happen?
2: Um, I mean, obviously think about it. That's always, always your goal when you're, when you're playing and, and growing up. But, um, I mean, I just know that, if, and, and when um, maybe that day comes it, I mean, there's no, you're not going to stop those nerves and, and the, that that excitement. And uh, I mean, you play this game from when you're four and you want to like, this is your end goal and you, and you want to do that. And um, I don't think there's anything I could say or, or do to to kind of replicate that. And um, it's kind of the same thing. Like the first about of the year, it's like, you can never psych yourself out enough to like get that first about of the year over. And, um kind of just go in and, and have a good good game and I mean everyone's got those nerves no matter where you're playing. It's that first game. So um I mean trying to replicate something of of that statue and and, and that how big that that day would be is probably impossible.
1: And I'll say this and obviously the first time I, I and the first time I met you I believe I we were going I was visiting Vegas on spring break and me and Keanu were at the casino at like 3 a.m. You pick and by the way, Keanu, terrible influence. I mean, we were, yeah, I, never, I didn't even know what a casino was at that time. Obviously, I was young. And Keanu gets me on the on the table, we're ripping, and it was like 3 a.m., and you come pick us up, and you are bumping. And by the way, this is right when More Life came out. I don't know if you remember this. You were bumping More Life, and I was the first time at you. I was like, this guy is a dog. But anyway, anyways, man, I'm so fired up to see what happens this year with your debut, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully it's, it's by the time you guys come to Toronto, but we'll see. It's been a long time coming. I'm fired up. We got you on the people needed, the people wanted it. But like I said, dude, I'm pumped for you. I can't wait for it. I'll be there and uh, can't wait for tapping. And I'll do a shoey on your debut. I, I'm ne- I've never made a rec- I've never made a promise like this before. I will do a shoe luge. I will drink a beer out of my shoe on your debut to get the people going. I'm pumped for you, Bryson. And, uh, and it's gonna be sick to see what, what you do this year, man. I'm fired up.
2: Appreciate it, man. Uh, I mean, I can't wait to see you. And uh, I mean, I can't wait to see that that shoe chug or or whatever you Shooing, call it out. Yep. Uh, yep, that's a promise. And uh, I mean, someone will have it on video, I'm sure. So,
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially unofficial pod. Thank you.